Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for January 20th of 2017. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh from HockeyHits.com. And welcome. This is the last podcast during the Obama administration. It's the last Obama one. Wow. We may be, be recording ever. at noon today, which means it would bleed into the inauguration. So if it gets cut off, things have gone bad. <laughs> Nobody will hear this. Like a Y2K that. thing, but real. Anyway, <laughs> today we're going to talk about the top two possession teams in the NHL. They happen to be the Boston Bruins and the LA Kings. Standings-wise, they're not doing as great. What we know about possession is that it does usually correlate pretty well with success rate when you're that high in the league. So we'll talk about why maybe they're not where they need to be. Uh, then we will be talking about two of the pillars of goaltending the last few years. Well, one of them's been a pillar for about a decade. Henrik Lundqvist and Carey Price recently struggling, and we'll talk about that. And we'll get into some Penguin stuff, and we have some listener questions. So, Good ones. We have some good ones. Good. Hashtag good. What, uh, start with Boston <laughs> and L.A.? I kind of feel sorry for both of those teams because they, LA seem to be falling into the trap that they always fall into. They can't seem to shoot at a decent shooting percentage, and Boston seems snake bit by that as well, except for a couple of players. So when Tuca has a couple of bad games, they lose games they should probably win. Yeah, they just went through one. Weren't they up like 4 nothing over Detroit and lost in a shootout? Was that their yeah. last game? Yeah. I think so. And Detroit is not, at least I don't consider them a very good team. No, they're not. Even Detroit fans can say that they're not. Now, I've been, we've, we've actually, like, within the last month talked, hey, maybe we'll talk about Boston, and we've kind of pushed it off for a bit of time. But this entire time, they've been the top possession team in the NHL at 56.1%. That's really and, good. And a, for what's a team, amazing is that I certainly didn't think they were going to be. I thought they'd be a Monty to miss the playoffs, but not like this, not this way. I thought it would be the fact that they couldn't keep the puck, they couldn't get the puck out of their own zone. Um, but give Claude Julian credit where credit's due. He's not the reason, the system is not the reason that they're not winning games. Yeah, Um I can't recall our preseason. I may have snuck Boston in third place for the division, but I certainly, that was because I had concerns about their ability to push play, and clearly I was way yes. off base with that. Yep. Which, you know, I guess I'm wrong on that one, but they're still not getting what they need as far as tangible standings. Now, Luckily for them, it appears the Florida Panthers have fallen off, so that's one less team to worry about. But Toronto has picked up that mantle and um, is going to give them a run for their money. Right now, Toronto... Oh, boy. Toronto's at 50 points with 43 games played. Boston yeah, it's played is at stack. 48. And, th of course, we have to preface that 
the the weird bye week stuff is going on. So, but they're only two points ahead of the Leafs. Yeah. So, and then you got Philadelphia and Carolina at fifty and forty nine points apiece out of the playoffs. But like, if Boston drops out of that top three of the Atlantic, they're fighting for the wild card with those other um, Metro teams. That's a big pile up there as well. You want to be third, and you, you sit there with it, and it's like Boston currently are equal with Ottawa on 52 points, but Ottawa have five games in hand to try and get a few more points up. So it's it's just crazy how it's crazy how three-point games have jammed everything up, and this will be why they don't change it ever. But it doesn't solve Boston's problem of how to actually put the puck in the net. I think that's, and we'll address that part of it, and I got some things I, I just found that I think are worthy of mentioning. I think another big part of it is Tuka Rask has been a very good goalie, one of the better ones in the league, but right now their they're even strength save percentage as a team is 914. That's 24th in the league. So the possession is being wiped out by what I would consider below-average goaltending. Goalies can ruin the best-laid plans. Yeah, and the weird part I, is, it's a good goalie who's happened to be playing bad this year. And it's it's funny because the one year that they have a lot of the puck is the one year that he's not bailing them out when they need it, which is kind of the reverse of what the Rangers are going through over the last month. Really, it's it's bizarre how. This is not how I thought Boston would be losing. Like you said, I didn't think they'd be able to press the play and keep the puck up the other end of the ice. It's just that when it does get down in their defensive zone, Tooks is letting in some goals that, you know, he can't afford to be. And they haven't been able to find a backup that they can rest him either. No, it's been a problem. It's the opposite of when they won the Cup, where Tim Thomas won in God mode and they weren't really a great possession team. Oh, he was a... Yeah. That's, isn't that one of like the best player performances of all time, what he did? Yeah, and Boston was one of the lowest possession teams to win in the cap era. If you exclude Pittsburgh 08-09 because there was a large sample of Tarion when they were like really low. And yeah. then Bilesma, they only had a half season of Bilesma to pick it back up. Yep, I get what you mean. So, as far as the offense goes, so... There's valid point there that their possession, much like L.A., is not leading to um, goals, which, you know, you kind of need them to win. Boston <laughs> ranks 22nd in goals four per 60 at even strength, only two, 2.05. So basically, for every 60 minutes at even strength, they're only putting two in. L.A. is 2.01, so they're next to each other. L.A. is 23rd. So we look at individuals. Well, Brad Marchand is points per 60 is 2.29. He's doing his thing again. He's He's been great. David Pasternak has been awesome. He's 2.24. Some dude named Fr Frank Vetrano has only played 14 games, and he's at 1.89, which is good for 14 games for a guy that I'm not very familiar with. Maybe I should be, but I'm not. And also doesn't cost you a dime. He's cheap as hell. <laughs> David Backus, 1.70, so technically sniffing the top six offense. But that's it. 
So now you're paying $7 million or so to David Krejci, who had a really nice offensive year last year. He's at 1.54. So there's there's the first kind of thing that sticks out to me. A guy that should be gifted offensively on a very good possession team is not giving them any tangible results. Even worse, and this one shocks me, Patrice Bergeron's 1.23. Like, that's he's a great player, and he needs to be better there. It's certainly not the beginning of the end for Bergeron, but him not being able to actually... No, I'm not predicting yeah. beginning of the end stuff. You're, you know. No, I, I realize that. But it's one of those things where he's not, if he's not producing for you, it makes things really, really difficult. Because I just don't have the depth anymore. Yeah, he, he's a tremendous player, and I know a lot of it's defensively, but he's gifted offensively too. Just look at what he did with Sid and Marchand at the World Cup. They just yeah. destroyed it. No, you're exactly right. Hey, he, he might just be having one of those one of those years. The other thing that's very – LA and Boston are in similar situations, right? The thing that's interesting with LA and Boston is that Boston's, you know, all otherworldly two-way player is not playing all otherworldly when it comes to actually producing. It's the same with it's the same with LA. Kopitar is just not producing points. He's still doing the possession thing that he always does. He's just not finishing the job. And it's the only one it feels like that's actually able to score consistently for LA is, is Jeff Carter. Yeah, he's been tremendous. So they're, they're both in, in, in similar situations in that the guys that normally drive play and, and, and drive production are just having down years. And um, Boston have the unfortunate situation whilst that's happening, Tuke is having a bit of a rough patch. Whether it lasts the entire year for him, because he did start off quite well. Whether they can, you know, he can get it back together and move forward with it. Matt Bolesky, who was their one of their larger free agent signings, is at point six three. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> what are you doing? We we were always curious about that particular yeah, sign. Yeah, that was a shooting percentage driven signing but i don't think he's 0.63 bad or maybe he no, no 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 but but bergeron at 1.23 brandon sutter's at 1.27 right now just to give you a kind of a conceptual um place uh, well that means somebody has to drink um that's not good that's that's there really are good. there are other players in the league in this area that you would not guess Joe Thornton, 1.29. Holy cow. Did not realize that. Jumbo That's... Joe is not a guy I expected to be in this group. Did you have a feeling that Joe would go out on his own terms in that he would leave still producing at uh, a top-line player? Because I, I certainly did. I, I felt that he would walk away with people going, you know what, he still had something left to give. He's at that I'm not going to predict his end either, but if he backs no. next year up with like this, then maybe maybe it is over. But he's at he's at that age where it can just vanish all of a sudden. That's all. That's all I'm saying is that you don't know until you see the end and you go, okay, you can see exactly where the numbers fell off. And who knows? This might be when it does. I'm hoping it's not because he's great fun to watch, but you just never know. Nope. I just saw his name there. I thought I'd mention it. 
I was not aware of such a thing. Sharks are the third, third best possession team, so he's probably still driving play. Yeah, he doesn't score goals a... though. It's always been um, a weird thing for me in kind of evaluating Joe. I've seen him shoot. He's got a great shot. He just never takes it. I think his last three goals have been empty net goals too. <laughs> so strange. So, anyways, back to the sh- other California team. Oh. Yeah, so where's Kopitar in amongst this crew? Is he way out of it, or is he floating around down there as well? He is 1.48, so he's not quite there, but it's not quite good either. And they they just can't afford to not have him at a top-line level, that's all. Basically, it's the Jeff Carter show, and then everybody else is producing at a bottom six level or worse. Oh, but this is what it's always been for this team. No, no, I, I, I fully realize that. It's like I hate watching them because of how well they play the sort of stuff that, that their coach wants them to do. And it, it drives me bonkers because it's crappy to watch, but it's effective at keeping keeping their bloody events levels down low. Penguins are high event. They are low of it. The, the less events they can have in a hockey game, the happier they are. Yep, that's been their style. That's why I can't watch them. Unless Gary Thorne's doing Oh, well, Bob Miller's good too, but... <laughs> they have good announcing, whether it's the fill-in or the real guy. And sometimes I will watch a little bit because it's easy on the ears for the most part. Not easy on the eyes, though. It's not... It's so, so Carter's two point four two, awesome, great. He's, Off the uh, charts. He's he's doing his thing. Um, it's fifteenth overall in the league, which is really good with players that have played five hundred minutes. So it's not counting players that have a really small sample. But Tanner Pearson's number two at one point six one, so <laughs> kind of paints a really good picture why they're not where they need to be in the standings, despite being a good possession team. They've, their shooting so, percentage is, once again, not great. And it's one of those things where they're doing this with a $600,000 goalie playing in net for them. Goaltending for them hasn't been great either. Budai's been fine, don't get me wrong, like value-wise, but they're at 9-2-0, slightly below average, so... They can't shoot and they can't stop, but they can drive play. And it has them as a bubble team. So it does show you that being able to drive play certainly puts you in a good spot to be hanging around. Yeah, because everything's really going wrong on the PDO-ish front. And they're there because they play low event hockey and they own the, the amount of events that are played at that. They, they do tip the ice in their favor doing it. And that's the thing that must be frustrating for Boston. They're, they're definitely having more positive events than negative events on the ice. It's just that they're not getting the... They're the 29th in shooting, would, Boston. You would, yeah, you would expect Tuca to save more than he is. I mean, they pay him like he, he, he should, and he normally does. So that would be very frustrating. But... Um... Back to your L.A. Kopitar's at 148, Brown's 158, Gabrick 143, and then really, uh, well, I guess the other one, 
Toffoli, one three three. Like he's a really good player. That's unacceptable for him. And he's injured, so that's I think you know. But what else is there? Well, there's nothing else there. They're a top-heavy team, and it's, it comes down to the cap. And imagine how much harder it would be for them if they actually had to hold the cap to the two players they just magically got rid of. So the possession stuff is still a, a great predictor when you're on the top end of it for success. And these two teams are being – they're still in the playoff race because of that, because the other stuff has not been good. At all. Actually, LA hey, is out if, of a playoff spot. If, if either one of those two factors improves for both of those teams, they'll make the playoffs. I, I think that's the reality there. The goaltending picks it up to be not slightly above average, but well above average, then they'll make the playoffs. If their shooting percentage for the rest of the year is suddenly league average, they'll score more, but they'll make the playoffs. Yeah, that's the so, thing. You just need league average shooting and goaltending with the possession the way it is, and they'd be totally fine. But it's been comfortably in the bottom third, and for Boston, 29th overall shooting and 24th overall goaltending. I mean, there you go. Julian ain't the problem. No. This is a player problem right now. They need to play better. I keep hearing rumblings that they're considering firing him. Well, you better like, have really? a replacement. You can't fire Capuano. people if you... Capuano. They can replace him with Capuano. He's got to sing at some weddings, I think. <laughs> I, I. You brought it up, so I'll just make a comment on it. Holy cow, that was three years late. Yeah. Yeah, Islanders just wasted a good sample that they had going with that guy, in my opinion. I'm not really going to argue that, I'll tell you that now. They they stuck with him for well past the due date there. In in such a league that's so fickle about keeping coaches around. You know? Yeah, there's, there's... Stages where I sit there and think about it and go, there are times where I think Garth Snow likes to be contrarian, and I just think he picked the wrong topic to be so. Hmm. So I, I don't have much else to add to, to to the Boston and LA thing. I just saw some stuff on Twitter like, oh, is this the end of possession predicting future success? And I, I don't, I don't think so. Most times when you get these really top-end possession teams, they'll do well. The exception is when their goalies are playing really poor and they can't have a shooting percentage that is acceptable. And for Boston and L.A., they seem to be that. That's them. That describes them this year. We'll see. see they, they, could both miss. they could both miss. They could. <laughs> Interesting to see if their GMs try to bail them out of of poor percentages or whether they just go, this year might be a loss because it seems like these percentage runs run for the whole season. It'll be an aberration in the long run, but in regards to this particular 82 games, it could curse them the rest of the way. If you're on a great possession team, you have the luxury of acquiring 
just a great shooter that might not be a great possession player, but it won't bury you because you're surrounded by people that'll keep the puck for you. So it might it might not be a bad idea to take a risk on a low possession, high shooting percentage guy for those teams. I wouldn't make a habit of acquiring many of those kind of players because when they're not scoring, they're really not doing anything. I can't Something think of to think about, else. though. Well, you're right. I hadn't I hadn't thought of it in in that context. In you know, using the Penguins example, someone like Phil Kessel, who is a high shooting percentage guy, would would fit right in. It's just that those guys are hard to acquire, aren't they? Sometimes. I'm trying to think of a good example of this. Yeah, I, I just I can't think of one at the moment. Because I can't get shooting percentage. Uh, on a stat site, also with um, possession next to it, I guess is what I'm going to say. And usually teams don't want to give those guys up. You have to find somebody that can't... You know it's, you know who an example of this would be, and he's clearly not available? Patrick Laine is a great shooting percentage and is a great goal scorer, but his possession's really bad. Yeah, good, good example. I mean, I it's not you. a great example because <laughs> they're not getting a Patrick Line. Well, but that's that is that is what you're after. You're after somebody that that scores on few shots or scores a lot on a lot of shots. Um, but yeah, he's gonna bleed shots the other way. And you're right, he'll get propped up by the fact that his teammates are, are good at, at retaining the puck. Someone that they could have gone for, Eric Stahl. He's having a good year. Was available to anybody. I didn't think Eric would be as good as he is this year. I didn't I think he was cooked, but he's he's above where I, I thought that. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. Actually, you know what? Don't know if Toronto would do it. Tyler Bozak would be something to think about. Not a star. The problem with Tyler Bozak was always, why the hell is he the first line center with Phil Kessel? Not that he was totally incompetent. He's just that's the thing. He's just he's not a first line center. He fits in the lineup down better down the lineup. He's got a good it's... shooting percentage. He's fourteen percent at even strength this year. Are they going to give up a defender that Toronto actually need though? I don't know. I'm just throwing out like no. But it's it's one of those things. But you're right. Bozak you, would be a mid tier player, not a star. That wouldn't shouldn't you know just stuff like that. Benoit Pouliot, if the Oilers didn't care, they seem to not be content with him at all. I'd be looking to acquire a guy like that. Good player. Takes penalties some time to time, but... If there's going to be a GM you can fleece, it's the Oilers. P.A. Parento would be the one I would go for as a rental. Probably wouldn't cost too, too much. Having a nice year with New Jersey. Had a nice year last year. Can score goals. P.A. Parento, Boston, L.A., there's your guy. Boom, done. Things don't have a bad rep. In the Just give me 50 bucks for this information. Something. <laughs> <laughs> But that's a guy. That's a good one. All right. I won't bore people going down this list. Um, I can't, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to do it off the top of my head, and I just can't 
No, and this is the thing. These are the decisions that, that the numbers people need to throw in front of the general managers and go, hey, here is here is a, a pot of gold for the next three months that is going to get us out of this rut and, and get us through. This is when you need the numbers people to give you options to see what you can sneak past the rest of the league. Yep, pretty much. Uh, your goaltender conversation that you wish to have. This is really weird. You look at Carey Price over the last month, his save percentages have, have started going backwards. You look at Henrik Lundqvist, and each month so far this season, it's gone down to the point where, if I read um, Myrtle's tweet correctly, he's got the worst save percentage this month out of everybody. And that's like 841. And you just go, you know, this isn't the end of, of Hank, and it's certainly not the end of, of Price, but their teams are winning at the moment. They're like the reverse of of the two teams we, we were just talking about. And the one player that I thought was going to tank his team was Pecorino. And he's gone from a 906 to a 949 to an 875 to a 946 save percentage from October, November, December, January. And that's you know, care of Jonathan Willis, and you're just like, goalies are voodoo. <laughs> you just can't trust them, and you need to have the puck more often because of it. Yep. But if you're going to do the goaltender thing, you might as well, you know, I would take my chance at large samples of players that have been great. Conquist is that guy. Now, Price is a little bit different. He's been in an in a in the stratosphere with Lundqvist the past few years, but he his early career did not speak to to the, what he is right now. What he is at the moment is what people expected him to be. Now the question is, is he going to be up there and play like that for five or six years at this ridiculous elite level, or is he going to go up peak and have like two and a half years and what should have probably been three and a half years, but missed the whole season due to an injury? and then taper off. Like, that's the thing. You've seen Lundqvist's sample size, and it's it's long. Like, it's, it's, it's quality for a long time. Price still hasn't given it to me for any length of time. Still not going to bet against him this year. No, and he you've mentioned that he's not been great this past month, is it? Yeah. He's still at rocking a 936 even strength save percentage yeah. for the year, which is really, ridiculous. really good, even with this... Um, poor stretch so he was playing at that level he's going through a patch um, I wouldn't overreact to it I wouldn't overreact to Lundqvist no, so you've it's got just like goal scores Ovi has gone 10 games without a goal before does it happen a lot? no can it? yeah that's where I am with these two goalies does it happen a lot for him? no can it happen? yeah do they have a really good sample for the most part? yeah so that's where you've got to sit there and not panic as a general manager and try to do something rash. Oh, well, um, luckily for their <laughs> situations, there's nothing to do. Every one of the three goalies you've mentioned has a pretty large contract that's going nowhere. Oh, no, 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 no. I didn't mean about moving. I meant about making changes in front of the goalie, like trying to do well, something. Well, New York should. Well, we've said that for how many years now? New York, New York should. Now, they're, they're just finding out how much Lundqvist hid for so long. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it, actually. That's true. 
Lundqvist has been God mode for a decade. He's the best goalie of the generation, and quite frankly, he's going to be an all-time great. And he's hit a lot of warts for the Rangers for a very long time. And now that he's in a, a in the dump a little bit, you are seeing those warts in the light, not in the dark under the bed sheets. And they're also not riding that massive shooting percentage, so it all sort of little perfect conflict, storm complicates right all into one place. A little, little bit of a perfect storm for them. Mm. But you're right, the Rene thing. He was a real problem for him last year. It's just baffling. Like, I, I thought he'd be the problem. Now, admittedly, he was cold, hot, cold, hot. So, you know, look to February to be down. I believe we the, call the that the uh, flurry shuffle. Oh, do you ever. Good grief. So, it's, it's one of those things where... Their possession hasn't been fantastic, but... It's been average, they've had, which is lower than I thought it would be. Yeah, and they're having issues with shooting the puck. Like, Philip Forsberg can't buy a goal. James Neal's not, not scoring at the, the rate that I'm used to seeing him do things. They don't have their, their number one puck-moving marquee defenseman because he's got a bad back, and, and a lot of it falls onto... The other guys who are good, like Alice and, and, and Yossi, are great. But to, to lose uh, your number one guy that's going to ride all the minutes just makes things a little bit tougher. And I don't think I don't think Poyle will, will panic or do anything silly, realizing that you know he's got a long term plan with with this team. But you know this season for them right now is floundering. It's gotten better though. They are in a playoff spot now. They have played more games, though, haven't they? I think that's 45? the thing that worries me. Not really. LA's at 45. Oh, Vancouver's 46. Okay. Dallas, 47. Calgary, 48. Edmonton. Oh, wait. Edmonton. Well, Edmonton's last or third in their division at 47. St. Louis, 46. Chicago, 47. They're actually less than everybody, except for Minnesota. They're in good spot. Yeah. They have improved. They were really not doing good at the beginning of the year, but they've climbed out of that. Some of it has to do with Dallas and Winnipeg really underachieving to this point. (coughs) And some of the Pacific teams really not making a legitimate run at the wild card either. It's it's been a real shift in the last 18 months in regards to what would you consider to be the more dominant – conference and you know three years ago i'd have said the west by a mile even two maybe even last year i don't know yeah so east has been top heavy for a number of years east i think is definitely actually the east i do think have the better teams and the better depth right now yeah well you know toronto have, have pushed up carolina are pushing up Ottawa is ridiculously surprising. So, yeah, there's a little bit more depth than, you know, I, I would expect. And I have to admit, the thing that's weird is, like, Anaheim, whilst they've played the most games in the conference, are actually leading the Pacific Division and have 61 points. Did not see that. No, but they were a top possession team last year. Now they're 16. Yes, but 
I thought that there was going to be a much larger influence by the coach in regards to what he wanted to do, and I was wrong in it being a negative influence. It has been a negative influence on the possession front. I wasn't prepared to maybe talk about Anaheim today, but I don't know what their their shooting and stuff is. Let's do that for another day. Are they just doing what they did with Boudreaux, though, and just winning a lot of 2-1 games? Or one-goal games, I should say? Maybe. Like you said, we'll we'll dive into that a little bit more. That could be an interesting topic to go on. (coughs) But last year they were really good with Boudreaux. And unfortunately, the Game 7 goalies uh, were really crappy for him again. He got voodooed again? Really? Last year, yeah. He did. Yeah. So... Goalies, what are you going to do? Except try not to pay him a lot. <laughs> you're, not, you're not wrong with that. So, we do have some questions that I do like. So we will answer those. Uh, some of them are Pittsburgh related. Some of them, well, most of them are. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure. Uh, I do want to talk some non-question penguin stuff. And I think my favorite topic right now with Pittsburgh is Jake Gensel's back. I can see why it would be a favorite topic right now because he's a lot of fun to watch and he's very effective. Yes. He is seven games into his career and not to, uh, you know, these numbers are, of course, a little bit exaggerated, given the sample. But his points per 60 is 4.13, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is about as good as Crosby's ever been, even when you count his power play stuff. So, obviously, he's not a 4.13 points per 60 player. But in his small sample, he's he's really kicking ass. Uh, he's, the, I think the thing for me that's enjoyable to watch is he doesn't want to just give the puck away for, for no reason. He, he likes to try and keep it. Um, he'll try and fight guys off or fight through guys to make sure he maintains the puck. He won't just throw it away into a corner and, and at least not try to retrieve it if he's Dumping it off his stick, he thinks he's going to get it. He's not just going to loop it around. He, well, I had I threw that gif on Twitter where he had that zone entry against Montreal. Montreal defender had a good good gap control with him coming in, trying to enter the zone. Most Most players in the NHL, rookie or otherwise, will chip and chase it. He did this little slippery shoulder jukey thingy and... It even fooled the ref because the ref did not leave the boards area because yeah, he, just, he just probably assumed it was going to be a chip and chase play. And Kunhakel, Gensel wormed his way through, and if it weren't for Pacioretty taking an interference penalty on Malkin in that same sequence in the neutral zone, it would have been an easy drop pass to Evgeny Malkin entering the slot with speed with nothing in front of him. Those are the plays that are going to lead to great things for Pittsburgh. Buying time 
for Evgeny Malkin is going to lead to good things for the Penguins. And yes, that was just one sequence, but I love the mindset. There's no way he makes that play if it's not part of his fabric. It is, it is um, thankful as well, though, that they have a coach that doesn't want them to just give the puck up. You know, you look at where he was in that situation, I reckon 20 out of 30 teams are told to dump that and chase it. And I don't think it was a risky play. I think his skill set with his hands and his, his puck protection is good enough to where if he tried the move and he got to the point where he'd have to, like, poke it through, he would... It, it would be a modified chip and chase, but at least he tried for yeah. the entry. Then you want as many of those under control as you can in the game. So go for it. So he's leading the NHL in even strength points per 60 right now in his seven-game sample. So, you know, it's a whatever stat. But he's also leading the Penguins in possession, the forwards, 57.1%. That's probably not going to stay quite that high either. But if we're judging him based on his NHL sample so far, it's been very successful. And I don't think we should see him go back to the AHL. I think that would be a redundant, misguided move. I could understand it earlier in the year. I even saw somebody pointing out that maybe it was contractually related. So maybe he's played enough AHL games this year that he won't hit whatever NHL total that was. I didn't really dive deep into what those qualifications were to know that if that was truly the case but that would be an interesting motivation if true on why they well they've at least they've they've at least got four weeks now with Cullen out that they can just blame really like that's the thing like I know they put I know it was a one-for-one for Eric Fair really but you've got Gensel in there just play him now and play him in a top six role. You know, what I didn't mind in that Montreal game was that Wilson got a few minutes here and there with the top six as well. Oh, and we'll talk about the fourth line and we can do that next. I'm not done with Gensel yet. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I think he can play a similar role that UC Jokinen played with Malkin Ooh, a few that years would be back. Nice. Now... I say a similar role. I don't mean to say they're similar players. I think Gensel's got better foot speed. And Jokinen maybe better hands. Like, Jokinen's very skilled. But I think Gensel is too. So maybe he's just a younger version of it, but a little bit faster. But he can play the role in the sense that uh, we've already alluded to. He can buy time, play in small areas, make area passes, do the skilled things. And... Gensel's goal against Montreal shows that, hey, he's going to get to the net front area too and do some things to to get the puck in the net through tips or screens as well. And when you add that on with the skill stuff, the mindset of making controlled plays, what a perfect fit for this team. Well, the other thing is that he's he's big enough and strong enough to go into the corners and just not get flattened. Yeah, you know he doesn't I mean? have to flatten others, but he's not getting flattened. Yeah, and, and in regards to going in and trying to retrieve the puck, that's really important. You need to be able to, to stay on your skates and, and and take a blow to, to make sure that you can, you know, retrieve the puck and, and pop it out into those little areas that, you know, Gino or, you know, anyone can come in and skate onto. If you're playing with Sid and Gino, just somehow keep the plays alive. 
if you buy time with those guys on the ice, they will reward you. They will create something out of nothing themselves. But if you're not losing the puck or dumping it in and you're just holding it just a little bit longer, they can help you. And they will, because they always do. Those two are ridiculous. And if you follow Ryan Stimson's passing project, Evgeny Malkin leads the league in the percentage of shots that come from him, or he is responsible for. So whether it's him having a primary shot assist or it's Malkin taking the shot himself, Malkin's involved 74% of the time when he's on the ice. So if you're extending plays, he's going to further extend them, and you're going to get quality shots eventually. Well, that first goal that he scored against Montreal was exactly that. He just kept extending the play and extending the play until was I think it was Daly that got the pass over to him and he hit that one-timer. So, great fit just, with Malkin, yeah. I think. I think he'd be fine with Sid, but I think it's a really nice fit with Gino for right now. And if you got nothing else to add on Gensel, I mean, it can Duh, it can go right into your fourth line comment. Chris Kunitz is on the fourth line. That's not a bad thing at all. I mean, he's not a fourth line player. He's he is a top six caliber player still. He's fifty three percent possession player and a one point seven one ish. Points per 60, that's top six material. He's on the fourth line. Gee, why did the Penguins' fourth line look good the other night? Because Scott Wilson is also in the same neighborhood in points per 60 and possession as Kunitz. Statistically speaking, they have two top six wingers playing on the fourth line with Eric Fair right now. So I know a lot of people were talking about Eric Fair always back at center. He likes center more. I don't want to dismiss that. That probably helps Eric Fair out. I don't think anybody could say that playing your position you're most comfortable with it shouldn't benefit the player. But if we're being honest, the fourth line looks the way it does because you've got guys playing well below the role that they could play. I wonder if Wilson gets frustrated. No, I think he's got to know. This is a really deep team. Yeah, but the, the thing is, the chance that Sherry and Rust got last year mainly came apart from the fact he broke his leg. And like you I, said, he... Injury um, would be frustrating, of course. You don't want to lose a chance because of injury, and and that did happen for him. And like, like you said, he's playing at, at a, a rate of a top six forward, and to know that, you know... That chance for him to be a top six forward on this team a lot might be gone. Six forward. Yeah, but still a top six forward to get that chance this year might be really, really tough to crack. Hey, that's great for the Penguins as a roster and as a team. You want to have guys that are producing well enough to be higher up the lineup, but not having room to fit them in. That's great, but um, it, it would be tough. I think it would be tough on him in, in that sense. But he's he's playing well making the most of it right now he's in the yes, lineup yes. where Kuhn Hockel is not so there's that he could be out of the lineup easily you got that, a guy actually, like Kuhn Hockel sitting there all right so if Kuhn Hockel, if Kuhn Hockel could come back he, he is that's three wingers back, on the fourth, I believe. that's three wingers on the fourth line they, they can't do that no 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 understood I'm just saying things could be worse for Scott Wilson 
Oh, no, no, no. I, yeah, I knew what you meant with that. But you get there and go, to be honest, in regards to the way those three players play, um, Wilson, Kunitz and Kunakal, it's like I would prefer those three players in the lineup to Eric Fair in regards to how he's gone. But you need to have a centre out there on that fourth line. And he is good at centre. Well, better. Yeah, that's a better choice of word. <laughs> But Penguins forward depth right now, if if all healthy and they leave Gensel up, you're talking about Kuhn, Hockel, and Fair being completely out of the lineup. And they were regulars for a cup-winning team. And they kind of need them to do well at the moment because they've got an interesting collection going on at the other half of the ice. Yeah, that's... And this will lead into some of our other questions, but what is it, Ruedel, Gauntz? Like, if you would have told me before the year they'd have a stretch of games, I'd just shrug my shoulders like, all right. <laughs> like, that's not something I'm going to predict, but here we go. So have you heard whether Pouliot is actually injured or whether they just said you're not coming up? Like, I just don't know. What do you mean? Well, how is it that Ruedel and Gaunts are considered a better option than Derek Pouliot right now to come up? I think Pouliot's hurt. He, so he is hurt? Like, I didn't I misread saw a tweet. that. Like, I thought. Pretty sure I, like, somebody I said that it. Was, I thought that was the case last week. I mentioned it on the podcast, but I thought I read somewhere else that he's playing again, and I'm like, am I just getting misinformation? Like, what the hell's going All on? All right, within the, within the last 24 hours, um, Seth Laxo um, is a verified account. He's a beat writer for The Citizen's Voice. So he's based in Wilkesbury, and he had. Let me just lost the tweet. He said that Donatelli, who's the coach of Wilkesbury, is optimistic Pouliot will be back in the lineup tomorrow. So tonight. Excellent. So, I guess he was out, but. Even if he wasn't, I think they are giving him another extended get-your-shit-together AHL look, which, you know, I think maybe this time it's appropriate because his latest NHL sample was not good. No, it but was not. It's the prior jerking him around up in, from NHL to AHL I, I thought was unnecessary. This one, probably more appropriate, but, you know, if they're going into the playoffs with Gaunts and Ruedel, it's probably not great. No, there is a solution to this, though. Sort of. Maybe. I mean, trade, trades aren't easy. Four. We've got about three or four questions on this. <laughs> we do. Some more realistic than others. Um, do you want to stick with Pouliot for the one question? Yes. Okay, so Zach, at Zachary Kemp, what are your thoughts on a Pouliot for Anthony Duclair trade? Duclair just got sent down to the AHL, so I guess if you're looking for parallels, it is also a um, NHL player that's stalled out a little bit and been sent down as maybe punishment 
So it feels that way. It's just if you look at it from Pittsburgh's perspective, they don't need another forward. That's that's all. Not really, especially with with Gensel's emergence. I'm not against bringing Kunitz back again on a one-year deal. I think Connor Sheary has been a very nice. As his sample keeps growing, I feel more comfortable with him with the minutes that he gets. Who's the other? Oh, Haglin. I mean, where are you, where are you putting Duclair? This, that's the thing. I, I can't see where you can fit him in. Now, that doesn't mean I don't think they could be better at left wing. It's just if Duclair is Arizona's Pouliot, why am I taking a chance on a, on a winger that might pan out? If you were to do the left wing thing with the Penguins, it would be like a Landis Cog kind of for sure thing, in my opinion. I'm not yeah, advocating no, they do either, but I would, you know, re swing for the fences a little bit more if they're going to do something like that than get a maybe winger when they got a they're pretty stacked with that as it is. Yeah, they need they need to find a solution on on the back end. You, they need to find somebody to to assist that top four. That's all. And you know who was it? Somebody. Suggested the was it Pouliot and Fleury for Shattenkirk? Who the hell was it? Oh, can't find it. No, it wasn't Mish. Oh God! At Wolfram Art, my buddy Wolfie. Yes, yes, that's who it was. Um, look. St. Louis is going to get done by goaltending again this year. I'm not saying Fleury is a solution to that, but he is another option to what they've got at the moment. And the fact that Shattenkirk is a UFA at the end of the year, it would be an all or nothing for Pittsburgh. Yes, it would be a rental. I would not shoot that down. And I know as this is uh, circulated around the, the Penguins' Twitterverse. Some some aren't keen on the idea. The way I view that uh, that potential. First off, I wouldn't do it if I were St. Louis. No, but they don't. But they, they clearly do not make good goaltending decisions. So maybe that's like Jake Allen. It's perfect timing because Jake Allen has been a complete tire fire recently, and they're probably looking at their season slipping a little bit lower than they want to and maybe they just want to bottle up the their bleeding goals because of it they have a negative goal differential this year they are minus 11 they are the only team besides our bruins that are in the top three of their division with a negative goal differential and they're in minus 11 boston is minus one Calgary's minus four, and they're in the first wildcard spot. So they're bleeding goals. I mean, they just gave up seven against Washington. And in, those are the, the only teams game. in the league that have a negative goal differential that are currently in a playoff spot. So it's they're, they're struggling at the moment to keep the puck out. And I know they lost backers, but they are pushing the play okay. So, you know, they need somebody to make a stop. And 
I bring three up. One, because I'm a Penguins fan, and two, the Penguins need to move him. And the opinion around the league is that Fleury would be better than Jake Allen. So, so whilst we might not be happy with the output Fleury gives for 5.75, it would be an improvement on what St. Louis are getting. I view Fleury's contract, if they were to trade him addition by subtraction, it would clean up the expansion stuff. It's the Rupska Dairy Theory again. Well, I don't, I'm not comparing those two. Fleury's still. Oh, yeah, that's it. It's, it's um, the same thing. It, it is the same thing, though. It's addition by subtraction because you get a whole heap of cap space. Kevin Shattenkirk's awesome. Pouliot? Yes. They don't seem to like him anyway, so what the hell? Maybe it's a rental. If they could lock Shattenkirk into like six mil, that's doable. Would you do it if you had to retain on Fleury? Hmm. If they said you've got to keep one point five or two, no. Would you still high. do it? No. I don't want to be playing with future cap money like that. Because it's a lot. It's a lot of money. Might sell me on one. Tell you what, what Skidaries that they're paying out this year? I would do that. Hang on, where the hell is it? I've got it here. I would just trade the buyout for okay, one point one two five. Two five, and that's just for this year. It's done after that. Yes, it's done. I might think about that. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't think it's good for St. Louis. It's my thought. No, I, if I'm I, Pittsburgh, I, I think I do it. And it's one of those I don't things think I, you... I, I would. I'm not worried about... <laughs> I, I need that contract gone. And to me, I, losing I that contract to... and getting something... And getting something of extreme value back. Like, holy cow. Yeah. Shattenkirk and Latang. That's a great... Right side combo. It bumps daily over. He can play left side with Dumoulin and Mata. And then Schultz can be. And then calls the extra guy. So what? Now you got a defense core going into the playoffs that has some insurance. This is the thing. I want to move Fleury to get a top four defenseman. And and I, I say that going one more person and you get the trickle down effect of a deeper team. And you just explained it. You know, that's for me. That's it's Latang insurance. I need that more than I need Murray insurance. Well, I think they've got Murray insurance down in the AHL. Uh, he would at least I'm, not willing, so I I'm not willing. I'm not willing to go that far. I am not willing to go that far. Maybe, He's, maybe I'm not willing to say that Jari is Murray insurance. Well, he could be back. Oh, okay, you need insurance. If you really team. wanted to find a goalie, you could. Yeah. I would do that. St. Louis, so that, that's, St. Louis, I would not. That's that's how I, I look at it in that sense. I've you know been trying to find a, a new home for my favorite player for a couple of months now. Can't get into Calgary. Timing's can't right get, though. If you're gonna if you're gonna snake the Blues, now's right because Allen's struggling. Pouliot's not a piece that Penguins need, and Flurry clearly is not the number one guy anymore. And I doubt St. Louis. <laughs> is a place that he'd reject. 
So. Well, I wouldn't think so. Have they got any cap space at all? Who? St. Louis. Well, they're losing four mil with. Yeah, so it's only an extra one point five. They have two mil. All right, so that fits. That works. Come on, get it done, GMJR. Get it done. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm just. I would like to lose that contract. That's all. Yeah. Speaking of contracts, what do you think is going to happen with with number four that can actually play? Yeah, Justin Schultz. I wish. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to kind of be in the middle still on that. I need to see the largest sample possible of Justin Schultz this year. The blessing of a Latang injury, if there is one, the the glass half full would be Schultz getting a, a elevated role sample with him. Because Edmonton, I don't want to just throw all of his failures on the team, but I think the situation was not good. Situation very no. good in Pittsburgh, but a lot of it's been bottom pairing. The few times he's been above the bottom pairing, he's done really well, but the sample's so small. You're buying high. It's a really tough thing, and I'm more open to extending him than I was, but I'm not sure I'm where the market will be. My biggest concern with Schultz playing an elevated role is in high second-pairing minutes or, you know, top-pairing minutes is his inability to go from skating forwards to skating backwards and getting his gap control right. He gets burnt. When he gets burnt, it is when he has to transition from being active in the offensive zone and then having to get back quick. Really difficult to try and compare a scatter to Latang, but one of Latang's benefits is his ability to go from forwards to stop to backwards or forwards to backwards really, really quickly and in control and at speed. Schultz still can't do that. Yet. Well, who can skate like Latang? No, I know, but Brian Dumoulin can. Can he doesn't push get... play like that? No, he doesn't. So you've got to get there and weigh up whether you want to take the risk and the gamble that Schultz is just going to get himself burnt because he's not that great of skater in those situations, but he will make up for it with all the other positive stuff that he does. And and like you said, you don't want to gamble on that at the highest cost possible, which is. Probably what's going to happen when they come around to that contract. It's a tough one. I don't have a great answer for it right now. How much... I guess if he's successful with Pittsburgh's team effects, that shouldn't go away. It's just a matter of how much of a premium are you willing to pay a player when it's your team that's kind of doing it. But that's unfair to Schultz, too. Maybe he is actually playing legitimate hockey. Maybe the change of scenery was all it was needed. It's a, This is a conundrum. He can't blow the bank, though. He's a restricted free agent. <coughs> this is also true. This is also so what is making me not be because able to got... gauge the market. Because they're going to have to re-sign him and Brian Dumoulin. They'll have to do both. So well, I'm sure. Let's be honest. 
they're signing Dumoulin, regardless. Yeah, so in their head, they must have a little cap window where they go, okay, so for these two places, as long as we spend X, they don't really care how that X gets divided up. So I'm assuming between the two of them, in regards to the Penguins, I'm assuming they can get there and go, right, we've got you know, $7.5 million we want to spend between these two players per year. We'll just have to work out how we get that total done for those two players. Because they're going to lose daily. Well, they they should probably move on there. Nice trade, but older. Uh, I think they could go other routes with that. Well, Schultz could just replace Daly in the lineup. He's better at the things that Daly's bad at. If Schultz were to take some more money, I'd be down. It, a, a term would be my concern. I'm not going like five years with Schultz. You know? How old is Schultz again? Yeah, but I... It's 25, I, so you wouldn't want to sign him to third. No, that's not it. It's, I'm really unsure if this is... the a legitimate level of play he can st- yeah. sustain. So why would yeah. I commit to? I guess Pittsburgh, as you mentioned, has has a little bit of wiggle room with the RFA status. It's one of those things where they could buy a couple of cheap years at the back end because of the RFA. They could they could extend him for five years and get him for. What, five by four? That's 20 mil for Schultz? I don't want to. I'm not comfortable there yet. Because you get No, one, no one's you, offer sheeting that because they don't do offer sheets anyways. I mean, you just try and screw him down for as little as you can then. If you're going to look at it in that context, then. Because what's he going to do? Not turn up and not play? He's finally got his career back. Yeah, they you know, got him by the balls a little bit here. He's, you know what I mean? Like, this, is, this is one of the reasons why you and I don't like. The way the contract no, status he should be is able to up. cash in a little bit here. Yeah, and he's he's got no he's got no flexibility to do that at all. His next contract he can. I mean Pittsburgh, if they wanted to, could if he signs a one year RFA deal, he goes straight to UFA the next year, doesn't he? I'd give him two years, three mil. It would get him to UFA. And if he kept playing well, he'd get money. And you just let him go. He's in a good situation him. to do that. Yeah. I guess that's where I am with it. I don't think there's a right answer to this question right now. I really because don't. Because I wanted to look at it a little bit differently. Instead of giving him two years at three, I was looking at trying to give him five years at, at four because if he does keep going the way he is, and I don't have a reason right now to think that he won't keep doing what he's doing, then you get some cheap years at the back end because if you go for two by three and he does well, you're either going to lose him or I would suggest overpay for him. It's like what they've done with Olimata. You know, Marta's deal is really long, and, you know, theoretically it looks like it, it's, it's an overpayment now, but the idea was that he would develop into being better than a $4.1 million defender. And he's a good example of the exact risk you're talking about. He's been better lately, and he'll tie into one of our questions. Usually I'm pretty confident in assessing players that have an NHL sample, Schultz, not one of them. I <laughs> very much respect the work he's put in this year, but I also think I need to respect the, the at least some of the 
previous sample, even if Team Effects were polluting it. Because he was bad in Edmonton. Oh, yeah, he was a mess. He's been really awesome this year. Not too many defensemen have put up the offense that he has. But at the same time, Pittsburgh, who who has a better forward grouping than them? Or maybe there are some, but not many. So it's a great situation for his skill set, and that's a great job by the general manager for acquiring him. But it was at the price point it was at. We'll, we'll see. The RFA stuff, we'll see. What uh, what else we got? Um, so you've done that, you've done that. We've got somebody sort of asking, you know, is Sprung the opposite of what we need, seeing as we're terrible at, at, at stopping scoring chances? Oh. Should we do something else? Okay. I don't think so. So this because that's from Vinnie Bats. We like Vinnie B. At Vinnie Bats, if you're a Penguins fan, I would encourage a follow there. I I, I enjoy his Penguins related content, so I would um, recommend a follow there, Vinnie. Uh, Pittsburgh lead generating scoring chances, terrible at suppressing shots. Is sprung the opposite of what they need? No, I would I would double down. I would just be that team. I, I, high end, high end skill. I think when you push play forward with skilled guys, you're not going to fall into the Boston, LA. Oh crap, we can't score. You're going to score more than make up for more of the mistakes. I'm all for going yeah, all, going I'm, all I'm, in I'm, with that high event strategy. What even if it I'm, gives I'm, up some? You just trust the fact that you'll outskill the other team. Plus the cost control there. So you got well, you got Kessel, Sprong, who are kind of probably similar in certain regards. Not great defensively, but offensively it's so great that it doesn't matter. At least I'm projecting Sprong, uh, watching his shot and his hands and his skating ability. I think he'll translate well to the NHL. Still pissed off he can't play in the AHL. I think he'd be better off and further along in his development instead of toiling down in fucking the queue. But at some point, they're going to have to make a choice on Hornquist. That's not right now, obviously, but he's just turned 30, and he's signed for next year. But past that, he'll be 31 looking for a new deal. And, I mean, he's well known for his style of play. I, I don't wow. think I don't think anybody would argue that he's not physical. So how is he going That's... to track moving forward? And his skating's not the best to begin with. His decision making is not either. But that's a conversation for an entire other podcast. I, 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 I'm in the same boat. I would double down. I would I would get there and, and look for players of, of like minded, which is play with the puck, be good with the puck get the puck to my teammates as quickly and as accurately as I can and double down the fact that the forwards will help the defensemen keep the puck in the offensive zone, not get stuck in the defensive zone. Because we all see it, if you're a Penguins fan, when they get trapped in the zone on a cycle, they're in trouble. They're better off just making sure they have the puck and not the other team. Pretty much. I'm looking forward to seeing him maybe next year. 
I can't remember if he's AHL eligible next year or not. I, I, I just fuck that rule. I'm so sick of it. <laughs> I love how angry it makes you. It's so funny. Yeah, it's really funny. Uh, <laughs> I don't. There's one that I'm saving for for last, but I think uh, I think there is just that one. Um, Hockey Mish Mish. Best for last? Arguable. Are we going to play the winger for Crosby game this year as the deadline approaches? Well, Mish, you've got a lot of time to think about this in your blogging retirement. I'm sure you really love the fact that other people had to blog that 15-goal game the other night. (laughs) Mish used to do some of the best post-game breakdowns. He would break down literally every goal, who was at fault, who could have done better. Like That would have been a hellish game for him. Fun to watch, not fun to blog. So no. he went out on it, top, though. He he pulled the um, retired on the Penguins when they won the cup. Smart man. This does bleed into the last question that actually came up in my timeline, which is: Would Sid be scoring more if Horny was on his line, or is Rust going to be the better option in the long run? So it's basically the question that Mish asked, really. I am not playing the winger for Crosby game at the deadline. I think Shiri's been good enough. They have options here. Russ does not have to play on his line. Hornquist could play on that line. Kessel could play on that line. I have a feeling if they were to bump Rust, they would put Hornquist there and then bump Kessel with Malkin and then bump Rust down. It is funny. Russ seems to be first line or third line. That sort of seems to be the way they run him. They don't run him down the gauntlet. That's basically first or third. That's where you are. I know it's kind of not worked for Dallas because he got sick, but this is kind of why I wanted Hudler at the beginning of the year for that price point. Yeah, I get I, that. I don't I, think I you agree. can predict the, the illness that kept him out, but... That was kind of the insurance I wanted with the right wing. But I'm not going to pay deadline prices for it. I think their depth is fine enough to where they don't have to do that. And furthermore, if you really wanted to have some options, Shiri can play the right wing. So that opens up left wing options of bumping Kunitz back up, bumping somebody like Scott Wilson back to his normal left wing as Rust moves back down the lineup. Does any of There's that make sense? It makes perfect sense. If we were going to pay deadline prices, I want to do it on the back end. I don't want to pay deadline prices up front. I don't want to pay deadline no prices need. at all. I, re- I realize they're a deep that. Team. They're a deep team as is. They're not in a position like they used to be where <clears throat> I think they have to. So. No, that's true. It feels like they're out of that hole. It's just my the one thing my trades are going to have a long-term scope to them. I'm not doing the the rental game. I know that we talked about the Shattenkirk thing. I view Shattenkirk himself as the rental, but the long-term scope of the trade is getting rid of the Flurry contract. So I do think if in that make-believe trade... There is a long-term approach to it, even though the guy you're receiving would be a rental. Well, yeah, like, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It, it is one of those things where um, you, the theory is that Shattenkirk would walk. But for, for me, personally, I know this sounds really weird because I normally go for the 
the longer term view. But this team is is a little bit like the 2010 team for me, good enough to win it again. And I don't want to see them bow out in the second round again in that situation. So and I feel like they're, they're one top four defenseman away from being good enough to repeat. So Who, What team isn't looking for that, though? I realise this. And it's, it's, that's one of those things where if, if it comes to it, I'd pay deadline prices for that this year. And... That's sort of the way I look at it. And you, you're right. Everybody's looking for that top four, whether it's a one, two, three, or four defender. Everybody's looking for that extra extra depth. I mean, one of the questions we had was, how can Pittsburgh get a guy like True? But, well, that's, you know, an impossible question sort of a thing because I'd suggest giving them Fleury, but he's not going to go there. Where? To Winnipeg, to get True out of there. Oh, you know, that would yeah, be my yeah, yeah. suggestion. Sorry. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, we joked about Dougie Hamilton, and that was because, you know, there was stupid rumblings about him being no good in, in Calgary. He's been so, awesome. I know. That's, that's absurd. Exactly right. And, and this is the thing. The players that would benefit the Penguins are all players that teams don't want to just give up freely. So I understand the, the problem with that. But, you know... Pittsburgh don't have a ready-made top four guy to come in and help them out. And the one guy that I really hoped could be that was disappointing the last time he came up and is now currently injured. Well, coming back tonight. Fingers crossed. Were you talking Pouliot? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, it's, Sorry, it's I got those... Twitter's going crazy right now the... <laughs> for, for that that world event that's happening. Oh, who cares about the world? I, no, I can see it in my Twitter feed as well. It's going nuts. Um, so, yeah. I, I'm i not playing the, the, the short-term deadline winger for Crosby game. No. I think... I know the, the rumored interest in Landeskog that we mentioned before. That's more of an off-season one for me. Because you're going to have to trade a, a defense. Kessel, you're it's gonna, a Kessel move. Yeah, you're going to have to trade like an Ali Mata kind of player. And they don't have that replacement quite on the roster. And I'm not taking another hit to this defense core right now to make to, <laughs> to get to get a position that I just don't think... The need's not strong enough to decimate something that's already kind of wishy-washy. It's it's not a need. It's a, it's a added extra. And at the moment... If they had a need, it's in the one spot that, you know, everybody else has got a need, and that's the back end. So, and Mish, you know what? Miscellaneous thoughts. He just started a new podcast. So, I'll throw that your way, Mish. Get on that. It's not hockey, though. It literally is. Miscellaneous thoughts. So... I don't have anything else. No, I think I'm good, and it is one six past one in the morning over here, and I should probably get to bed. Okay. HockeyHurts.com, Patreon.com slash HockeyHurts, at Walshy66, at Hockey underscore Hurts, at Gunner Stahl, HockeyBuzz.com for my Penguins-related material. And as always, kindly give us ratings on... Uh, whatever platform you consume our podcast. So whether that's iTunes or, you know, whatever Android uh, 
function you're using. Always much appreciated. So, anything else? No, that's it. Have a great night, guys. All right. See you next time.